The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Thank you. Be seated. You know, I know you're all really glad. Those of you who are members, wow, this back side is packed. I don't know what happened. Is something going on over here? Is something wrong with the chairs over here? But I know you're really glad as members that community group's over. It's okay to admit it. I know it. But I also know that when August rolls around, you're going to be very excited to get your new groups. I hear that as well. So I want you to just put yourself in that mindset in August. You're getting your list and you see who's in your group and you're excited to get to know new people. And so usually at the beginning of our group time together, we, we do some version of get to know you and we share our stories and stories of how God's worked in our lives and His grace and It's always a cool time of getting to know each other. Well, let's say that you're in that community group, you're listening, and you're like, oh, this person seems so awesome. I didn't even know they were in this church. I look forward to getting to know them. And as they keep sharing their story and you keep learning more about them, you figure out that they are liberal. (laughs) And instantly, your demeanor changes. I thought we were going to be friends. The, the point is, can you love and accept someone on the other side of the aisle? Can you love and accept someone who has come to completely different conclusions about something that is not sin, it's not unbiblical, it's not unchristian? Can you love them and accept them? What if you're in group... And you've got your theological positions all figured out. And you find out they are an Arminian. And you are a five-point proud Calvinist. Can you love them and accept them? Or maybe they tell you who they're going to vote for and it's the other person. And you're just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to live with them for the rest of the year? Or maybe it's, uh, you know, pick your, pick your issue. The question is that Paul is addressing today is, as Christians, we are going to land in different places. We, we as a church must be a place, a safe place for all people that are Christians to come together and figure out how to do this thing called the Christian life. We cannot be a place that exalts ourselves in judgmentalism and condemnation and creates this environment where you are only accepted if you are right in my eyes. And that is completely contrary to the whole concept of the gospel. Paul has been saying in the first 11 chapters, here's the gospel. You are acceptable only by the grace of God found through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 12, he pivots. And he says, therefore, in view of the mercies of God, which are yours in Jesus Christ, treat each other the same way that God has treated you. With love, with grace, with acceptance, with long-suffering, with kindness, bearing one another, patient with one another. Love, summarizing all that. Love one another. Love the governing authorities. Submit to them in love and respect. Love one another in the church. The church should be a place of love. We should be known as a place of love. Paul's writing to the church in Rome, 
in Romans 14, and he's saying to them, listen, and if you think about what's been going on in Rome, likely what was going on at this time was the Jews had been cast out, and so many of the leaders of the the first church, Jewish Christians, were cast out of Rome, and so the Gentiles grew up and took on the leadership in the church. But now the Jews have come back after the the leader had died. And so now you've got this mixture of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, and they're at different places in their Christian life, different places of fleshing out what are the implications of, of trusting in Christ. And those worlds are colliding, and they're landing in different places. They're drawing the line of what is acceptable and not acceptable in different places. I remember many years ago reading something, I think it was Jerry Bridges who wrote it. He was talking about the black and white commands of scriptures, the clear teaching of the word of God on issues of sin. Think of them as a ditch, a dangerous ditch that we don't want to fall in. But all all of us as Christians have to learn how to build fences that keep us out of that ditch. But we're all going to build those fences in different places. You may build your fence over here. I may build my fence here. All of those are discerning decisions of wisdom that we've got to make. Ultimately, we cannot judge where each other has built our fence. Because guess what? We're going to constantly be tearing that fence down and rebuilding it somewhere else. That's the Christian life. As we go and learn and mature and walk with Jesus, sometimes what we thought was absolutely the right thing later on, we are surprised to go, you know what? I don't even agree with that anymore. Because we're talking about matters of conscience. We're talking about matters that are debatable. We're talking about disputable matters. We're not talking about the things that are very clear teachings in the word of God. Those things are not up for debate. That's the ditch. We've got to keep out of those. But a lot of the Christian life is figuring out what is the right place for the fence. And where do I live the Christian life? And Paul is saying, we have got to be a place of Christian love, acceptance, and grace, where we say, listen, this is the place where we figure out together how to live for the glory of God. I was listing all the different possibilities of things that might divide us that aren't, aren't exactly, clearly, black and white teaching the Scripture. Uh, I mentioned some of them already. Arminian, five-point Calvinism, church versus Israel. Does the church replace Israel? Some of these, you know, amillennial, premillennial, pre-trib. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's fine. Don't worry. But some people are very passionate about these topics and have a hard time fellowshipping and loving others if they don't see it the way they do because it's just right there in scriptures. How could you not see it? And it's this attitude of really judgmentalism that that we've got to overcome. Hymns versus contemporary music. You might be in group and someone say, you know what, I sure am glad that they don't play those hymns. And someone else is just sitting there saying, I love it when we play those hymns. Or you may be one that says, I hate the drums. And Mike Kazar is going, really? I play the drums. I'm the one in there. You don't see. And so we have lots of different opinions and issues Transgender bathrooms. Someone may in your group say, you know what? I'm glad the the law, the legal system is finally embracing and being loving towards those who uh, identify that way. And you're just dumbfounded. Going, what are you talking about? Can you love one another with different opinions on these issues? Someone may say, community group. 
All right, it's official. We're all boycotting, boycotting Target as you come in with the dessert from a Target bag. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like when I grew up, I remember supposedly the Southern Baptists boycotted uh, Disney because of their support of gay rights in their employees. And we're all like, yeah, as we drive to Disney, right? And so these are issues of where we draw the line. We're going to all draw the line in different places. But the point is, Paul is saying, do you love one another enough that this is a safe place to figure out how to do the Christian life together? And that's what I pray the Lord brings about in us and in our lives. At this point, when I say, so can you love one another, you're probably like, well, yeah, I can love them. Well, just remember, you're going to be in group with them. When you read the Bible in isolation and your quiet time and it's all by yourself and it says love your enemies, you're like, yeah, I do that until you're face to face with them. And you have to actually show grace and kindness and bear one another and live, live the love that he calls us to. So today, Paul's addressing this issue, and he begins with a very clear command right up front. In verse 1, he says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinion. So it's, it's, he's, he knows exactly what's going on. I'm accepting them. I'm letting them come in because I'm going to straighten them out. He says, No, 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 no. You don't accept them. You don't tolerate them until they get into shape. That's not what Paul's commanding. Paul is saying, accept them unconditionally. Love them. Receive them. Embrace them with the love of Christ in community. Be a family accepting in that sense so that regardless of their opinion that disagrees with you. Number two, In verse 2 he says, because one person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. So this is not just a vegetarian issue. We don't know exactly what's going on, but most likely what's going on is those Jews who were kicked out of, the, of Rome and came back, they had lived their entire lives under the Jewish law, the old covenant laws that had dietary laws. And we know that as kosher. And so they would know that they were only felt comfortable. They were, by law, they were only allowed to eat kosher meat that had met all the requirements. Well, now they're in a Greek society that's filled with all kinds of of issues that they don't know if this is kosher or not. So probably many of them just said, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. And these Gentiles who never were under the law, never had anything to do with the law, are like, that's stupid. Why are you worried about what kind of meat you're eating? Eat the meat, son, it's good. And they're like, how can you talk to me that way? How can you look down your nose with disdain? How can you act like this is not important? And they're saying, well, Christ has set you free from the law. You don't live under the law. But they're not recognizing that generations and generations they have been living this way. And to grasp that reality is a tremendous challenge for them. Many of us have been raised with many traditions that may not be exactly biblically right. But for us to go against that is hard. And Paul is saying, can you stop judging, stop condemning, stop looking down your, your condemnation, your, condem- your condemning nose at them? Can you receive them even though they don't see it the same way you do? 
And so we don't know if that's exactly the issue that's going on, but we still get the point. The point is that this is not a matter of sin. It's not clear-cut, you are sinning. This is a matter of, and you're not talking about faith in Christ or not. The weak in faith and the strong in faith, he's not saying, are you a Christian or not? He's saying, those who have a more biblical understanding of an issue need to be patient with those who do not. And the irony here is, We always think we have the more biblical understanding of the issue. We always think we're the strong and someone else is the weak. Well, look at the, look, let's look, think about this idea of eating meat. Here, I would say the Jewish believers who do not feel free to eat the meat are the weaker Christians because they do not have as biblical understanding that they are set free by Christ to do so. In 1 Corinthians 8, The exact opposite is true. The Gentiles are the weaker Christians over meat issue because they don't feel free to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols where the Jews are going, there's nothing wrong with that meat. Those are just idols. And so you you really don't ever know which one. You think you're the strong one. I know that. And the other one's the weak. But it doesn't matter. Paul has something to say to both the strong and the weak. To the strong, he says, stop looking down at them. Stop despising them. Stop saying, I am thankful that that's not me. But he also has something to say to those who are supposedly the weak. He says in the second part of verse 3, the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who does eat. Now, why is he saying that? Why would the one who doesn't eat, why would the supposed weaker one be judging Because they feel self-righteous in not participating in something that they deem as wrong when everyone else is doing it. And so they say, I am making the hard stand. I am being faithful here. And they are not as spiritually righteous as I am. And so in a self-righteous exaltation, they become judgmental and they become pious and they think that they are better than everyone else. And that too is just as wrong as the other. And so it's a two-way street. Paul is saying, can we love one another, accept one another, stop despising one another, stop condemning one another? Can we receive each other with the love of Christ the way Christ has received us? And that is unconditionally. So Paul is commanding both. Now I think about what this looks like in our church. There's all kinds of examples, but I thought the one, instead of some that may be more obvious, I thought one that would be really pertinent for what I've struggled with, I think we've all struggled, many of us have struggled with, especially families, is sports as it relates to church. We live in a society that if you've got kids Man, the, the sports is just, wah, it's just dominating. And it's hard. And so imagine you're in community group. This is just totally hypothetical. And you've got two girls on a soccer team. Once again, I don't know how I'm thinking of this. but And let's say that all of a sudden when you signed up for soccer, you realize, you thought, okay, let's count the cost here. Got to watch this. And they say... Two weekends for tournaments, that's all, and we don't practice on Wednesdays, all right? Good, all right, count the costs, we're good. And so we're going to sign up for a community group on Wednesdays, and only two weekends is all we'll miss. Okay, 
Well, then what starts to happen? Oh, wait, we're right on the edge. We need to add two or three more tournaments, and we got to practice more. We're going to start having practice on Wednesdays. Okay, so you and other families in your community group on the same team facing this decision. One family says, I am not missing church. And the other family says, don't be so legalistic. I am not going to miss practice. We are in the running for the championship. We love Jesus. We love church. But let's be realistic here. And so you've got two families in community group together. What would the one tend to say in the flesh if they have said, we're not missing church? They're going to tend to be self-righteous. I've made the tougher decision. I'm doing what's right. And tend towards judging the other who has decided they're going to go to practice and to the tournaments. What's the other one going to tend to do? They're going to say, dude, you don't, you're not free in Christ. You don't understand the Bible. I don't have to be at church. I don't have to do these things. And they look down their nose with disdain. I am glad that I have a deeper, more enlightened understanding than them. And so that is community killer right there. Paul is saying that's got to stop. Paul is giving us wisdom, saying, listen, we have to be loving, accepting of one another, even though we're going to fall in different places on this issue. And that's just one example that we could come up with many, many more examples. Paul continues to explain in in verse 5 that every... He gives us another example, and he talks about how to think through it. He says, one person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Again, this is probably a Jewish-Gentile issue where the Jews grew up thinking about special days of fasting, special days of feasts and ceremonial days, and maybe adhered to a very strict view of the Sabbath day. And so for them... They're seeing all over the place people saying, in the name of Jesus, doing these things and, and not participating in these, these ceremonies or on the Sabbath, they're doing these things and they just can't get over and they don't understand how the church, how these people who claim to be followers of Christ could do that. And then the others, the Gentiles who are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Why are you hung up on these special days? That's not even in the Bible. We're free from that. We're, we're, we're free from, from those things in Christ. And so you have this distinction disdain and condemnation towards one another. And both of them are sincere. Both of them think, I'm trying to honor the Lord. And Paul goes on in the rest of verse 5 to say, that is exactly the way we should understand this. In verse 5, he says, each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, does he not eat? He gives thanks to God too. And so he's saying, listen, both sides are doing this, thinking they're doing it as a way of honoring the Lord. For not one of us, verse 7, lives for himself. And not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die... We are the Lord's. And for to this end, Christ died and lived again, and that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. So here Paul is just saying, here's how you think about it. As you wrestle with these issues, as you encounter one another who have a completely different conclusion as you have, he says, number one, understand this. Each 
one of us belongs to the Lord. Each one of us answers to the Lord. That should bring down a a place of humility to say, number one, you're not that person's ultimate judge. Doesn't mean we don't use judgment. It doesn't mean we don't hold each other accountable. But ultimately, we do all that we do with a sense that they're not my servant. They're the Lord's Jesus servant. They belong to the Lord. They answer to the Lord. But it also says you're not off the hook for how you live. It means that as you wrestle about sports, as you wrestle about how you should flesh out your commitment and the need for the, to obey the scriptures of love one another, be with one another, hold each other accountable, serve one another, pray for one another, care for one another. One another's assume that you are together, belonging, sharing your burdens, have a true intimate relational community connection. Wrestle with that. If this is what God's called me to, if this is what's good for me, how do I do this in such a way that sincerely honors the Lord? That's how we work through these issues, is that instead of just saying, I'm free in Christ, I'm going to the ball field. Instead of just saying, no, I want to honor Christ, I'm never going to the ball field. It's more complicated than that. It's humbling yourself acknowledging that you're not the judge of anyone else, but acknowledging that they and yourself, you both are doing it in a way to say, I want to live my life where I can say at the end of the day, I may have not gotten it perfect, but I sincerely am trying to honor the Lord who is my master. If we're doing that together, And we fall in different places on how to handle that issue. You know what? In five years, you'll probably swap swap positions. That's the way it's been in my life. At one point in my life, I am convinced this is how I should handle it. Years later, I'm like, man, I thought I had it figured out. And now, now I'm on the exact opposite side of that issue. But there needs to be a place of, this needs to be a place of grace and acceptance the same way that God accepts us based on grace. So Paul explains, every believer answers to Jesus, belongs to Jesus, and that should be our guiding principle. Am I living for the glory of Jesus in the way I'm handling this? Ultimately, Paul finally finishes it saying, ultimately, the reason we should not hold contempt for one another, not despise one another, not judge one another, is in verse 10, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, he quotes Isaiah, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. So the final Logic or the final reason Paul gives for each one of us is that we will all face the judge. We will all face him ourselves. And once we, again, we see how important a gospel mindset is in this. When you stand before God as judge, what are you going to, what is your ground? What is your hope? What is your confidence that you will not be condemned? That you will not be despised? That you will not be judged? Guilty in God's eyes. 
Jesus Christ. And what was that based on? One word, grace. You know, the scripture says that you'll be judged by the measure that you use to judge others. Now, why is that? It's because if you have been filled with the grace of God, if you understand that your acceptance in God's eyes is purely a gift of grace, that you're made right with God based solely on Christ's righteousness that he gave you and you received it as a gift, if you understand that, then you start to relate that way to others. You start receiving others with the same kind of unconditional grace. This place should be, and I would say to a large extent, I'm very thankful for the place of grace that this church is. And so we want more and more to be a place of grace. I don't want anybody here feeling like if they're not of Armenian or Calvin that they don't belong here. That's ridiculous. I don't want anyone here feeling like if they're Republican or Democrat that this is not their church. That's ridiculous. I don't want anyone here saying, you, you do this too much or you don't do this enough and so you don't belong here. That is ridiculous. You belong here as a covenant member of this church if you have one hope for your righteousness and that's faith in the righteous one, Jesus Christ. And then this becomes a safe place for you to figure out the rest of it together. And so we don't live like there's no right and wrong. We don't live like it doesn't matter. We, we know it matters. But in the context of grace and love and acceptance, we have a relationship with one another that promotes God's will in our life. It says, hey, I'm trying to figure this out. Do y'all think I should be going to these tournaments or not? How do I draw this line? How do I make sense of this? And we read the scriptures together and we seek to understand the scriptures and we try to dig in deeper to understand God's wisdom and discernment. And we pray together and we help each other build those pathways of righteousness. And we help each other understand and discern the wisdom of God for our lives. What is it in this situation? What decision sincerely honors the Lord? That's the kind of place that God wants us to be, and that's what I pray God makes us to be. Let's pray together. Lord, we know that every day our flesh, our pride, our, our human judgments want to think of ourselves as right and strong, and others need to just get to where we are and figure it out. Lord, help us to be humbled by the gospel. Help us be humbled by your grace. Help us to be humbled by the fact that when we stand before you as our judge, our only appeal, our only hope is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you gave that to us as a gift that we do not deserve. And I pray, Lord, that that understanding is the tone of this church that guests that come in sense this is a humble place that is open to help us walk out, live out the Christian faith. Lord, I pray that we will completely exude the, the love and mercy of Christ that we have enjoyed our, in our own lives. And I pray that it is an appealing 
uh, aroma to the world. I pray that the world sees that people of all different walks of life can get together and honor one another and respect one another and receive one another and help one another understand how to live a life that brings great honor and glory to the name of Jesus. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.